Well, folks, we are in the middle of a dream. Yeah. You know, I mean, some of you were here this morning. Some of you, this is your first service today. But this is absolutely surreal. Uh, coming in this morning, and I mean, it was packed to the walls this morning. They told us we had 928 people in the building today. Yeah. Crazy. And just looking at you and knowing what's in our children's church, you probably have another four or 500 here tonight. And, I mean, it is just an amazing miracle of God. I think Esmeralda sang it perfectly. A miracle is happening right now. And we're walking into something that's clearly been in the heart of God from forever. You know, he's infinite, so he, he is this interesting thing. He knows the end from the beginning, and he never gets a new idea. True. But he's that, full that was of, deep. Y'all missed that. That was deep. That he's was full good. of creativity. He knows everything there is to know. He's known it all from forever, and it's a never a new thought. So here we are. We're standing in the middle of something that's brand new for us. I mean, it wasn't on any of our minds a year ago that this would be where we would be tonight. You know, five years ago, no way. Twelve months ago, no way. And then I remember Dustin Pennington walks into my office, and he goes, man, I had a dream. And God was weaving new bridge and IHOP together. And when he told it to me, I go, man, you're crazy. It says you what kind of man of faith I am. Like, you're, you're absolutely crazy. And here's what we said. We said, you know what? Let's talk. Let's, and, and let's just do this. Let's just lay it all out. Let's just talk about it. And Jeff and I and Dustin got together and we said, you know what? We're not going to tell a person. We're just going to pray. Let's just seek God and allow the Lord to tell us if this is real, if it's for now, or if it's for somewhere at other time or what. And so we said, we'll come back together in two weeks, and we'll just, we'll just see what the Lord's saying. And, uh, you know, in those two weeks, do you know that we got 10 different independent prophetic confirmations? Some of you walked up to one of us and said, hey, I just have this feeling in my heart the Lord is speaking that IHOP and Newbridge are supposed to come together. I got emails from people across the nation who had no idea that we were having a discussion. Hey, I feel strongly the Lord is speaking to me about you and your, the church around the corner. Y'all are to join. I mean, we got 10 of them in two weeks. Yeah. And so by the time we all came back together, guys, we were like, this is clearly what the Lord is doing. Felt like a divine setup. I mean, you had to be, you'd have to hire a team of attorneys to talk you out of it. I mean, it was just <laughs> so clearly from the Lord. And it is. It has been clearly the hand of the Lord. And these last nine months, we've prayed, we've planned, we've strategized, but at the end of it all, we've just said, Lord, this is your doing, and we are your servants. There's only one name that we care about that gets any glory, and that's the name of Jesus. Amen. That's the only name we care about. And so here's what we're going to do tonight. We're just going to just share from our hearts just some, some key points of vision just things that the Lord's put deep in our hearts and the pastoral team, the executive team of the missions base. This isn't the comprehensive vision, but these are some key things that, that will give you some handles to hang on to as we're charting a course over the next couple months because we're actually gonna preach messages that go with these vision points. And so what I'd like to do first is I'd like us all just to pray together. Can we just stand together? Let's do that. Tell you what, Jeff, would you just lead us out in prayer? Yeah. Jesus. We just know that you've just consecrated this parcel and this moment, this whole day is holy ground, Father. And we are just caught in a 
just a cornucopia of different blessed emotions, feelings, thoughts. We could weep, we could laugh, we could run. Lord, if we could, we'd fly about this room just <laughs> praising you and just yes. magnifying you. All day long, Jesus, just seeing you on your throne, gazing intently upon us and just sensing your pleasure. And Lord, it is our pleasure to bring you pleasure. Yes, God. There's nothing that we want more. And I thank you just in this moment, Lord, yes, for the privilege of this process of stewarding your dream over this house and over us as your people. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that this would always be a place and a people of your habitation. Yes, Lord, I reverently say we don't want you to visit us on Sundays. We want you to abide and settle down and plant your home in our hearts. And we want it when we walk out the front doors yes, and when we walk in our homes and go to our schools and everywhere. We're asking, Lord, that you would initiate something in this season that doesn't have a stopping point, yes, but continues until we see the climax of our hope, which is the return of the Son of God Jesus. coming in his glory. So we love you tonight, Lord. I pray for a great blessing on those that are listening right now here, Lord. I pray, stir our hearts. Keep them stirred, Lord. Let dormancy never again be on our resume. But Lord, bring everyone, all of us together out of any frame of hibernation. And Lord, just put oil on us tonight for the glory of Jesus Christ and in his name. Amen, amen, amen and amen. You can be seated. Can I share that verse? Go, man, go. I'm just having fun. I know. This is great. I'm undone. That worship was so good. Did you guys appreciate the worship yeah. team tonight? Lauren Funderburg, Esmeralda, the whole team. Wow. <laughs> just undone there in the front row, just weeping under the presence of the Lord. Beloved, we've got a good thing that we get to be a part of. But like what I said a minute ago, this isn't a new thought to the Lord. It's new to us, but we have this amazing opportunity to step in to what God has been thinking about from forever. I mean, really, Ephesians 2.10, here's what it says. It says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, we're all going, wow, this new thing that God's doing, joining us together, and God's going, I think you guys are so cute. <laughs> I've been thinking about this from forever, and now you get to get in on what it is I'm doing. I like to call that, when we, when we have the truths of what, what's been in the heart of God from eternity past, I like to call that the dream of God. <laughs> And we get to step into the dream of God. And so that's what we want to share, what we feel like, just a few of the things that the Lord shared with us, that, that we could just share some of what we feel is the dream of God for us. And that's really going to be this first series. We're, like I said, we're going to actually do messages that go along with each one of these vision points. And so, uh, Jeff, I want you to kick it off. Yeah, so each of the words, we, we don't have big notes or anything tonight. You can start finding those this week on the uh, Mission Base website, which is 
prayermissionschurch.com. Yeah, but I think if you go to my Either one of the other ones? Yeah. Okay, they'll be forwarded, so y'all figure that out later. But so uh, tonight, we're just going to Any give of the you... URLs work. They all go to the same spot. Right. And so for tonight, there's just going to be uh, six one-word uh, graphics up on the screen, and each of these is just going to be kind of a strand in our DNA moving forward. These things will never change. God will likely add more to what he's doing here. This isn't comprehensive, but I want you to know from the heart of your four pastors and our, the other leaders that help us, this is part of who we are. And the first one you've been hearing about from weeks, whether you've been at IHOP Atlanta or Newbridge Church, and that is this wonderful thing called unity. We've talked about it from Ephesians 4. We've talked about it from Psalm 133. We've talked about it uh, exhaustively from uh, John chapter number 17. And what we're talking about is, is really kind of the pulse of what's happening here. We look around the land and this is what we see over the last couple of centuries and obviously almost in the entirety of the American history. We've just seen Christians who Ephesians 4, God's word says, we are one. When God looks down from glory and he looks upon his children, he doesn't see us fragmented like we fragment ourselves, denominations and sub-denominations and sub-sub-denominations. God looks down and he says, those are my children. Yeah. Those are my children. And so we are going to not only uh, preach that as a biblical ideal, we are going to pursue that relationally, and we're going to do it intentionally as unto the glory of the Lord. Notice this in John 17, we often call it the unity chapter, but it's not only the unity chapter, it's the glory chapter. Because God ties his, the manifestation of his glory to the ability of his children to walk out life in unity. And so that unity is going to touch everything that we do here. We want to have generational unity. One of the beauties that we got some feedback this morning for some people that just came to celebrate with us. Us. And one of the pieces of feedback from a friend, just, he texted Billy and he said this, it was awesome to see the youngest of the young and some of those that aren't young anymore, all worshiping, expressing glory and joy, lifting up their hands, generational unity. And we're going to foster that. We're talking also, and it's very important, as most of you would know, about racial unity, not only through one race. One race really launches in August at the event at Stone Mountain. But beyond that, the high call of your pastoral leadership team is to continue to pursue and facilitate uh, racial unity, racial healing, racial justice. Yeah. And that's going to be something that we continue to go after. But the unity has to be this, friends. The unity can never become based on the peripheral stuff. What we look like, how we vote every four years, uh, you know, other things that sometimes divide us. We will pursue joyfully and yet militantly. We will do what the Paul told the church at Ephesus, endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Yes. And it is from that beauty of our unity that there's gonna be a fragrance that comes off this property, comes off of our lives. And I'm gonna tell you, the world out there, they really wanna know who he is, but sometimes they can't see who he is because of all the tangledness of the bride of Christ. And so we're gonna untie the knot and untangle it. And we want our, our kids and our grandkids to be able to inherit and steward the gospel, the kingdom in their generation without all of the, the knots that have been tied generationally here. So unity is the first thing that we'll be pursuing in this series. You know, one of the things that Jeff mentioned was One Race, which One Race is a movement among churches all over uh, the city of Atlanta, really all over the region, and it's pastors and leaders coming together and, and really uh, crossing denominational lines, crossing cultural lines to stand against racism and the, the spirit of dead religion. Yeah. 
And that movement came birthing right out of the house of prayer. And, and, and here's why. The Lord showed us a couple years ago that while we, would, we had lived with hearts that were, that were full of love, we hadn't done enough in the area of racial unity and racial reconciliation. And so we covenanted to stand against racism in every form and to stand for cultural reconciliation no matter the cost, no matter what. And I would just tell you, beloved, this is who we are at the core level. We're a people who will stand across cultural lines, across gender lines, across denominational lines to stand united because Jesus prayer in John 17 right before he was going to be with the Father was Lord make them one as you and I are one. Beloved this is who we are, this is who we're going to be. Amen. And I'm going to tag one thing to that too. What's very interesting is that we are starting to see this happen in other churches in our area. That churches in our area that we're not at liberty to name publicly, we want to respect their leaders' privacy and ability to do that in God's timing. But I'm telling you, well-known churches in this area, in this region, are starting to say, we have had enough also. I'm talking about mainline denominational churches that are saying we are tired of being separated Mm. from those whose nuances of the faith may not line up exactly with ours, but we're saying it's just not worth it in these last times, these end of days, to divide over things when Christ has purchased our oneness. So Billy, one of the things that I would love for you to kind of just touch on, because obviously in a group like this, we've got some folks that have been at IHOP for a while, but we also have some people from Newbridge. They've heard me and Dustin talk quite a bit about the prayer room and 24-7. Can you touch on that? Because that's obviously going to be one of the things that we talk about in this upcoming series. Yeah, 24-7 prayer. That's our next point. You know, I want to read a scripture from Psalm 48. Uh, David said this. He said, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Most of us know that phrase. We sing that in praise and worship songs. But what we can can miss sometimes is the context that David was talking about. When he said great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, he wasn't just saying we need to have a nice big praise service. What he was actually saying is the greatness of our God is so vast, the greatness of our God is so unsearchable that a momentary worship and a momentary praise, it's not enough. Our God is so great that he's gotta be praised all day and all night every single day. That's what David was, that was the heart that David was coming out of. And and what most people don't realize is, you know, most scholars see David as the author of about a hundred of the Psalms, and the vast majority of those Psalms were written from the place of 24-hour worship and prayer, because David, at the center of his kingdom, had a, a live worship and prayer reality that continued without ceasing for 33 and a half years. And what you realize is this, that God always intended for the center place of the people of God to be this place of continuous encounter. And so in the house of prayer, I mean, just right here on Collins Hill, for the last 12 years, there has never ceased to be worship and prayer ascending to the throne of God. It's amazing, amazing. It's shocking. I mean, even right now, One of our worship leaders is over there leading a worship set. They said, I know you're gonna have a celebration service in the evening, but he's worthy 
of continuous worship and adoration. And we've continued morning, noon, and night, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, whatever, holiday, New Year's, 2 a.m., 2 p.m. I have to say it like that because sometimes people don't get the picture like, oh, it really is 24-7. And I'll just tell you, it's one of the greatest gifts that God has given to us is that we have a place, our whole spiritual family, we have a place where we can walk into the room. You don't have to do anything. Just sit down, open your heart, and let the presence of God encounter you. I want to give this example. My wife and I, we just bought a brand new grill it's one of those wood chip grills. Glory. Yes, Lord. <laughs> and, and, and you just, you, you just, you cook meat on it. That's what, it's for one purpose, you cook meat. And the, and the best way to do it is you, you turn it on low and you let the smoke continue to arise and it just saturates that meat. And the longer you cook it, the better it is. I was looking at that grill and I was, this weekend I just got this, I just had to cook as much meat as possible. I cooked two full chickens and a whole bunch of steaks. I just was in the flow. Y'all can go home now. It's time to eat. So. But I'm looking at this meat, and I'm like, that's the house of prayer. The incense arises, and the longer you stay in the place, man, the juices of God get flowing in you. I'm just telling you, it's a gift of God to us. So let me give you a personal testimony, and some of you have heard this before, but <laughs> I, I really want to make sure that I never lose the memory of how God used the prayer room off of Collins Hill to reorient my whole life. Um, I don't want to go into details, but about four or five years ago, I was going through the most excruciating time I've ever been in in ministry. It was beginning to, to fray, and it was affecting my family. I wasn't a happy father or a happy husband, and I was just, I had lost the bigness of God because people had become too big, and they weren't all, all happy with me. And so Billy and I struck up uh, just through uh, an email, a friendship. He told me about International House of Prayer Atlanta. I had no clue what was going on over there. I literally was thought, do you have to pay an admission fee? Is it, can you just walk in? And he said, bro, you walk in the front door, you sit down, and you pray. God will talk to you, you talk to God. It's not, don't overcomplicate it. So I went in for the first time. He didn't really say that, but that's the way I kind of interpreted it. But he did it. ask if he needed to pay admission. I did, I really did. I said, that's right, just give me cash every time you walk in. <laughs> Yep. I said, no, dude, That's how y'all got on. your studio paid for over there. So the, the reality is, is I went in there broken. I mean, literally just all busted up on the inside and, and quite frankly, lost. And what happened, and I so wish I had paid more attention because I was always there between 4.30 in the morning and maybe 11 o'clock. And for a few weeks, I was there like every day of the week for several hours. And it was the atmosphere because as the 24-7 worship goes up, it's a ministry under the Lord primarily. Yeah. It, it is worship and, and facilitating ministry into the, in the presence of the Lord and unto the Lord. But that changes the whole dynamic in the room. So I would sit there not even really understanding what was going on. And God just began to peel layers of hurt off mm. of me. Layers of sadness. I promise you this, my soul was cleansed through incessant tears just being pulled out of me by the Holy Spirit. And so often, I think those of you that serve in the house of prayer, there, there's got to be times where you're wondering, is this making any difference? I can tell you, I got reacquainted with the bigness of my God. Taylor, you, you know all about that too. Same thing happened to you. The bigness of my God sitting in that prayer room, sometimes at 4.30 in the morning, I was the only person there except for the person leading worship. I want to say this, if you've never gone to the prayer room, start going. 
start going. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced. Your life can begin to change through being in the presence of the Lord in that room. I know you can pray at home. I know you can pray in the car. I know you can pray anywhere, and I hope that you do. But listen, that is a consecrated place that says the, the purpose for this place is night and day, 24-7, nonstop, 2 in the morning, 1 in the morning, Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday. It doesn't matter. You walk in, and it's an opportunity for you to hear the voice of the Lord again. And so I just want to mention this. Prayer isn't something we do to add salt on the whole rest of the ministry. Prayer is the center of what we do, and it's the rich soil from which everything else grows. Mm -hmm. You know, it was 51 weeks ago that Chad Norris was here in this church, and he prophesied to the Newbridge family. He said, the Lord says this church will be centered on worship and prayer. It will be centered on intercession. And Jeff, he he gave me the prophecy today. He goes, man, when he said that, I thought, man, how am I going to do that? And the Lord goes, I got you. I know exactly how you're going to do it. I'm going to bring you together with IHOP where Amazing. it's already done. So good. Beloved, the center of who we are is night and day worship and prayer. And it's from that place that the glory of God is going to breathe all over this region through every one of our ministries and all out into the streets. Amen. Amen. So from that hub, from the core of that being central to who we are and also to what we do, the question is asked, okay, great, we're going to worship, we're going to pray, but what's our mission? What is actually the assignment of the Father for this mission base and for this house? We can't cover all of it tonight, but I do want to give you a few things. Um, Listen, again, 24-7 night and day prayer is is, just a permanent part of who we are. More will be aware of that as time goes on. But from that, there's going to be several layers of activity, gospel, kingdom activity, that are going to be taking place. Let me give you just a few of them right now. We'll talk about community and what goes on here at Newbridge just a bit but from the from the aspect of mission one of the things that we're seeing and I, I didn't get to talk about this morning we are our prophetic environment yeah. now that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people and we're not going to go through all of it tonight but I, I want you to know that there is the communication of God God, God wants to communicate through this mission base yeah. he has something to say to this generation to this region and he's going to use multiple uh, means to be able to do that part of that is going to not only be here locally through evangelism on the campus of GGC, uh, through other evangelistic local opportunities where people will be trained and sent forth to share their faith. We've got, obviously, we've got missionaries that are domestic. The House of Prayer yeah. is staffed by missionaries who raise their own support so they can continue and enter into night and day prayer and so that they're not called to the marketplace, but they're called to the mission field of intercessory ministry. That's going to continue to be a part of the mission. But also, recognize this, and New Bridges is so important. Listen, we're all New Bridge, and we'll get the language later, but for Right now, I'm talking to those of you that have been a part of Newbridge. Here's one of the things I'm most excited about. Uh, three years ago, God started telling me, Jeff, tear down the missions ministry. It, frankly, it was kind of lethargic. There wasn't going on, but it's never popular to start dismantling a missions ministry. I'm talking about international foreign missions, but I knew the Lord was saying it. I didn't know why. So we worked and started doing that and tearing it down. I thought, Lord, what are we doing? What are we doing? And he would give me no permission to start initiating more missions works. I had no idea what he was doing it. Here's one of the things I am most excited about, and some of you that have been at Newbridge may not be aware of this. The IHOP Atlanta missions base has within it a massive component called finish the task. 
Are there any finish the task missionaries here that are here tonight? They're probably over in Africa or the uh, Middle East. Got some right over here, over Josh, here. and others over here. We had, about, so, we had about four or five here this morning as well. Yeah, there were several here this morning, but most of them are on the field right now in Africa, in the Middle East, other parts of the world. One of the things that is glorious about this is now we have in-house the ability to facilitate international missions. We will train in-house. We will a partner in-house. There are teams that are already overseas. Some of you that are in here right now, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Some of you will taste the mission field in the next 12 months. I believe some of you are going to receive a calling, a lifetime calling from the Father on your life to be a part of what God is doing, exporting the gospel from the confines of the U.S. and taking it overseas. And that is just going to increase and increase. And so I am thrilled to death now that when I want to give to missions, when I want to write a check, when I want to participate, when I want to go on the field, I don't have to call somebody else somewhere and say, hey, you mind if I tag along or can I sow into your, we have it right here now. And there is so much opportunity. Chandler Pridgen and those that work alongside of him have created an amazing opportunity and an amazing uh, ministry missions arm for us to take part in. So I'm thrilled about that international part. There's so much more about mission. You want to tag anything on Yeah, about? you know, it's 40 international missionaries in six different international locations and it continues to expand. But you know, there's something beautiful about living in an environment where you're breathing in the presence of the Lord in prayer and then you're pouring it out in, in missions, you know, and in, in evangelism. And, and, and that's the thing that I think that's just native to who we are is that we're all called on mission. We're all called to be ministers of the gospel. Now, some of us are vocationally called to be ministers, but some of us are, call, are vocationally called to the marketplace. But who we are in the kingdom of God, this isn't unique to, to uh, you know, this whole spiritual family. This is who we are as Christians. In the kingdom of God, we're all called to be ministers, whether in the marketplace or in the ministry place. And so we have this amazing, you know, unique opportunity to breathe in through night and day prayer and to breathe out the gospel wherever we're called to go. And so, beloved, this is who we are and this is who we're going to be, truly taking the gospel from our neighborhoods to the nations of the earth, even the hardest and darkest places where the people have never heard the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Additionally to the international flavor, let me just give you this before we move on to some other things. Um, one of the things that is I'm passionate about, I don't have a whole lot of gifts in the kingdom. I really don't. I'm not being false. I, ask my wife. I really don't have a whole lot of gifts in the kingdom. But my heartbeat and my passion is to communicate towards revival. We'll talk about revival in a bit. But I, I just, I, I believe that one of the things that God's going to do uh, on this mission bay is he's gonna raise up some of you and you're gonna experience a shift in your heart. You're yeah. gonna encounter a courage you've never had before. And he's going to, in the next 12 months, start using you in ways you've never been used before. He's gonna tear down strongholds of intimid, uh, being timid in your life. And he's going to give you a voice. And the reason why I believe that is because all over this house. It was happening with IHOP Atlanta independently and Newbridge independently, but he's given us an audience. Mm -hmm. uh, we have some incredible media opportunities with the advance of technology. There are people out there that are thirsting and hungering for what God is saying, not only to this place, but through this place. And what we want to do
do is through a growth path and different opportunities to train you and to equip you, you're going to be able to say, man, I've had this passion, I've had this desire, but I've had no direction or no preparation. All of that's going to be scrapped. That is no longer going to be able to be uh, uh, on our, our resume. We will have no reason to say we can't go forth. And one of the things that I'm looking forward to, and it'll happen this year, we are going to begin to start um, presenting regularly opportunities not only the internships but also right here locally times for you to get equipped for you to grow in your knowledge of a host of different topics so that when we scatter from this place uh, during the week we go out ready to be able to communicate the heart of the father to a culture into a region yeah. that is inundated with religion, but there's not a lot of intimacy. And so Billy, let me pitch to you, and why don't yeah. you hit that, talk about that, that thirst and that hunger for intimacy, not only ours for God, but God wanting intimacy with us. Absolutely, I was uh, in ministry for about 10 years as a youth pastor, and I got confronted with a, just a crazy truth. It was this, I didn't know the love of God. I knew it with my head, but I didn't know it with my heart. And it was right in that season that the Lord began to encounter me with his affections. And he began to just really completely change my heart because so often we can, we can get busy about the work of the ministry and forget about the God of the ministry yeah. and the God of the work. And, and the Lord, he just began to deal with me about, do you know who I am? Do you know how I feel? Do you know how I think about you? And, and John 15, 9, it, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It, it just says this, as the Father has loved me, I have loved you, abide in my love. And this is Jesus' words to us. He says, as the Father loves me, I love you. And I'm convinced of this. Just like I was in ministry doing, I mean, working hard for the Lord, but, but really burning out because I didn't know his affections. I believe there are so many in the church that, that find themselves and they're busy about the work of the ministry, but they don't know the affections of the heart of God for them. And who we are as a spiritual family, are, we are a people who are gonna be given to put the first commandment in first place come on knowing the love of God <laughs> loving God with all of our heart mind soul and strength and knowing his love for us so that our hearts stay rich and alive with the affections of God we were made for intimacy with God yeah. So often, you know, so many things are going on out in the world. There's so many voices. We can forget what the story of creation is even about. But, but we have to know this. The story was about a God who loves and he wanted to love people and that's why he made us. Yep. I, I love to say this. If, if you don't know that the story is a love story, you don't know the story. Mm -hmm. And so we are a spiritual family that's gonna be rooted in this place of experiencing the affections of the love of God, the, ex the, the, uh, the affections of the heart of the Father for us, and from that place of intimacy, finding our identity, finding that, that that's where our worth is derived. And, and I love what Jesus said. He goes, I want you to know that the Father, as he loves me, I love you. And then he goes, stay there. Mm. You know, he doesn't relegate it to the song we learn as, as little kids in, in the uh, Sunday school class, Jesus loves me this, I know. He goes, no, 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 abide yeah. in my love. And when we come to understand that we're supposed to live plenished, 
from that reservoir of the burning affections of the heart of God, it changes everything, beloved. This is who we're gonna be, a people living from that place of intimacy. That is so good. Listen, that, that just stirs the hunger, does it not? So I was, I, I was introduced into the kingdom through a, a red, hot, fiery, uh, Baptist bivocational youth pastor. And I needed his fire on me because I was really entrenched in a terrible lifestyle and just all sorts of garbage dominated me. So he came at me hard with the law of God kind of running parallel with the gospel of God. So honestly, I mean, people say it can't happen. I, I, I really do feel like God kind of scared me into the kingdom, but I got in, <laughs> I got in. But w the byproduct of that was, is that I, I missed his tenderness at the onset. I missed the fact that he's not a God that was just, you know, on a technicality judicially letting me off, mm -hmm. but it was a, a father that loved me. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna tell you something, I, I wish it wasn't so, but maybe it'll help some in here. I was saved in 1994. I don't really think I began to know the love of the f father until the mid 2000s. Mm -hmm. And so it was all about working for the Lord and serving the Lord. And, you know, we'd, we'd get our high on Sunday and then we'd kind of just grind through the week and come back and get high again on Sunday. And, and it, there, there really wasn't the intimacy of that. And that's epidemic, by the way. That's Bible Belt religion. Mm. I don't want to be overly critical, but listen, I'm going to call it what it is. That is Bible Belt religion. It, it, it tells us this. Do more for the Lord, do more for the Lord, do more for the Lord, do more for the Lord. And what isn't said, but it's kind of threaded into that is, if you do more for the Lord, you're going to experience a little bit more of his love. Mm. It's almost a barter system that is completely unbiblical. Yeah. And so what happens is, what, what God will do is he'll break you to where you can't do anything for the Lord. <laughs> he'll bring you to this place, oh, child, you are, you're so busy, but you are so not blessed. <laughs> We confuse activity with accomplishment. And so the Lord is not ordaining whirling dervishes to spin themselves to an early grade. And so what happens, he brings you to this breaking point. And that's really what I described, not uh, just earlier. And what I realize is this, God's always intended that his relationship with his children would be that of intimate love. Mm. Christianity is supposed to be a full contact faith, mm. friends. Mm. It's so... It's glorious to understand truths in the kingdom with our minds, but God wants mind, heart, soul, strength, body, all of that. And there is nothing that he doesn't want to touch in our lives. And yet, so for so long and so many of us, we lived without that intimacy. If, if probably if there's one thing that I long for as a pastor is I, and John said it well, he, he talked about rejoicing that his children walked in truth. Yeah. I would take that a little bit different. I would just say, yeah, that, that's awesome. I want to see that. But I want to see people come to the revelation that God is so in love with them, mm. that he is not some distant stoic father and, and, and just kind of up there with his arms folded across his mm. chest. Mm. But he pursues yes, us. Yes. He goes after us. He's never sick and tired of us. He's never, he's never frustrated with our weaknesses, but he longs to connect that. And if I can say this, I'm just going to keep saying it. I'm not just even going to ask permission. Listen, I, I believe this. Some of you that, that you're, you're, you're saved, you may be spirit-filled, you're walking a consecrated walk, but there are moments where you say, I feel like I'm doing all I can do, but I just sense he is so far away sometimes. Mm -hmm. 
And the Lord, if you will begin to cry out in transparency and honesty, I do believe this is a season where God is going to say, I have never turned away the contrition mm. and the brokenheartedness of a child that wants to be near me. Here's the beauty of it. As much as we want to experience him and we want nearness with him, he paid the price to make that possible. He wants it with you more than you want it with him. Mm. And this is going to be a part of the DNA of New Bridge Church and IHOP Atlanta. Yeah. Something that's so beautiful in the gospel is that, you know, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, it talks about how we've been reconciled to God and that there's, a, there's no more any enmity between us and God. But then it, it goes on and it says, and from that place of us being reconciled to the heart of God, like what Jeff is saying, that we now have the ministry of reconciliation, calling others to understand that they've been invited into reconciliation with God. And, and so I love this feature of the gospel that there is this, there's this vertical connection, but the gospel isn't just vertical, it's also horizontal. And, and so it's from that place of intimacy with God that we actually get to step into the truths of the gospel, that there's been a, a dividing wall that's been broken down, mm -hmm. and that we've been made one in Christ. And, and, and that brings us to this next thought that we want to talk about, which is community. Yeah. So as, as most of us that were born here and raised here, Americans are fiercely independent. It's almost like the stellar virtue of being raised in the United States is we're, we're, we're independent. You know, our, our, our worship leaders are Simon and Garfunkel. I am a rock. I am an island. <laughs> and, and, you know, we don't want to we don't want our lives to touch. That's the American way, but it's not that way in the kingdom. It's not that way in the gospel. One of the things that it is our humble desire, uh, as those of us that have come from Newbridge, is we knew, Billy mentioned it earlier, we knew there was, it would have taken years, if not a decade or more, for us to be able to tap into the vertical that mm. God has established at IHOP Atlanta. And we, we were literally at a point where we're saying, okay, we've gotten community established at Newbridge, mm -hmm. but how are we going to tap into the vertical? What now? Pastor Dustin and I, we, we wrestled with that. And of course, God in this merge has said, no, I've already got it prepared. We're just going to connect these yes. two. Well, our desire is that what we've worked long and hard on here, um, feverishly over the last two and a half years is the building of community. Yeah. Because of the resource, the human resource demand in facilitating 24-7 night and day prayer and worship sets, it takes almost every human resource, every hour is a precious hour, every person is needed to keep that going over there. It has been very difficult at IHOP Atlanta to build greater community. It's not that there's not community yeah. there, there is, but to build greater community. And so our desire is to be able to lay that before the Lord and to welcome any and all to step into it. Listen, um, most of us have had our lives touched by divorce and fractured families, and we know the pain of splintering, and we know what it feels to be isolated. One of the things that is just uh, precious to the heart of the Father is that He wants us to be together. He doesn't want us just to worship. He is deeply pleased when we are blessing each other and we are doing life together. And so what we have here is a uh, commitment to continue to build yeah. opportunities yeah. for people to connect. Now, I, th I think, Billy, you said there was 900 and something people here this morning, probably 400 and something tonight. So let's just say 1,300 people. You're not gonna have 1,300 best friends at Newbridge. 
It's not going to work that way. And so what we've got to do is recognize we're not going to make meaningful relationships when we gather to worship. It has to be at other times. So we have home groups, some, I think, around 19, 20 home groups that are here represented in this assembly. We've got different groups that maybe meet during the week, men's ministry, women's ministry. We are so committed to children's ministry and to student ministry. And then uh, when we talk about Forerunner Church and that community of young adults, our desire is to take advantage of every opportunity to make connections. Um, it's going to be hard for you if you are a Simon and Garfunkelite, that you really just leave me alone. It's just me and Jesus. And I'm just going to tell you, well, I was talking to Jesus a minute ago, and he told me you need a friend. He told me you're doing life alone, and he doesn't want you to do life alone. So we're going to go after you in love. We are going to pester you in love because we believe that God has done such great work in your life in saving you. You have something to offer, and that building of community is something that is going to enrich this mission space, and it's our joy to begin to facilitate that on day one. There's a phrase that, uh, that I think embodies the way that, that we want to go about building community and then, and then bridging out. And, and it's this, it's small enough to care, big enough to dare. You know, we, we've talked amongst the executive team of the mission base, the pastoral leadership team, and, and we've already settled this. We don't want to be a mega church. We're not thinking about being the, having the, the newest, biggest name or the biggest name in ministry or any of that stuff. That's, that's not in our mind at all. There's one name we care about. That's the name of Jesus. Come on. And, and so... We've talked among us, and, and we've realized, man, you know, pretty quickly you could see us go to 1,500 or 2,000, but we've said we don't even want to grow past that. What we would prefer to do is instead of grow, we'd like to multiply. Yeah. We'd like to see churches planted out of the mission base all over this region. And, and we have a vision. I'm just going to give this to you in a seed, but we have a vision to plant 100 churches out of the missions base. One, zero, zero, 100 with these same kind of things in the DNA of it. And, and, and Jeff, this morning, when we brought that up, he said, I'm just going to shot block your, your unbelief right now. And so we just, in the name of Jesus, we just shot block the unbelief. Not in my house. <laughs> and we just, we're just going to get into the heart of God, that the kingdom of God is an ever-increasing kingdom. Yeah. And, and we believe this. There are people, you're here even right now, and there is a pioneer spirit and a gift of God on you to, to birth forth a church community rooted in prayer and intimacy and, and community with a heart for revival and mission. And, and God wants to train you up and send you forth. And here's what's going to happen to us. We're going to grow and we're going to get to, you know, 1,800 or something. And we're going to go, hey, this is getting too big. we got to send 150 people out of here to start another church. Come on. And we're just going to go for it. We're going to multiply, and we're going to see the kingdom of God expand in the name of Jesus. Yeah, that's so good. Even this morning. Yeah, give God the glory yeah, for that, amen. man. That's just, that's, it's so good. It's counterintuitive to the church growth movement and all of that. And let me just reassure some of you, because I know this is a stretch. I, Amy and I were talking, my wife and I were talking today, and she prayed uh, in the worship team uh, green room meeting this morning. And her heart, she's just got a pastoral and prophetic heart too. She said, Lord, Father, help those that are coming from IHOP that find themselves in a new building, a new setting, and are unsure about what these people and what this place is all about. And one of the things I want to reassure you is there is zero desire in us 
to be a super cool church. <laughs> We're not trying to be or to do anything other than to remain faithful to the glory of God and yes. be an organic New Testament church. And so the counterintuition of this is that instead of just growing bloated and bloated and bloated, that's exactly what Billy was saying. Let's start sending people out. So this morning, I just really felt impressed to say that during this part of the uh, message this morning. I said, I, I believe actually the first husband and wife mm -hmm. that we'll send out are in the room. And at the end of the service, uh, a brother in his early 40s just came over and he mm. said, when you said that, my heart just leapt. Yeah. He and his wife have been working to pursue the will of the Lord, getting ready to get trained. They didn't know what for. And so we prayed over and I said, Lord, if this is you talking to my brother, seal it in his heart. And if it's not you, steal it from his heart so he can do what you want him to do. But brothers and sisters, I believe this. I believe some of you will go. Some of you will, who have an apostolic kind of calling yeah. and a pioneer spirit, mm. you're going to be sent forth from here and you're going to be able to benefit from receiving from the Lord here. And then listen, we want to export you out yes. of here. We want to support you, help you, yes. bless you, do yes. whatever we can do. But we want to see God replicate what he's doing here and doing it in other places. Amen. All right, that brings us to our last thought and it's revival. Come on. And, and I know different people have different mentalities when we say the, the word revival. You know, for some people, it evokes the image of like, you know, a, 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 a summer, one week kind of camp meeting or something like that, special emphasis service with, you know, a special speaker or something like that. And, and, and that's good. But when we're talking about revival, we're actually talking about something that's far more expansive. What we're believing for is the power of the kingdom of God to come and to invade the entire region. You know, amen. One of the things that the Lord did to me when I was a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for 12 years, and it was in that season that he transitioned me to plant the house of prayer about 14 years ago, but he, he really just wrecked my heart with a vision, and it's that we would see the glory of God come with power and touch every sphere of society all over the city. I mean, so that the power of God would be poured out, you know, in the bank, and it would be poured out in the school, and on the college campus, and in the business place, and it would be poured out in the entertainment environments. I mean, could you imagine if the glory of God fell on GGC campus with 10,000 students all coming up under the power of Jesus? Do it, Lord. And they have to cancel classes, not because there's a shooter, but because the power of God has fallen. The bombs of heaven. Or can you imagine getting in on 316 out here and there's a massive traffic jam, but it's not because the spirit of heavy traffic has come, it's because the spirit of God has come. Yeah. <laughs> and completely disrupted things. And, and you know, you might be saying, well, man, that's just kind of, you're kind of out there. You're kind of like way beyond like what's even normal. But I would just give you a Bible verse. Ephesians 3.20 says this, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, all we can ask or think. And so if we can dream it, God goes, you're so cute with your little plan because I can do so much more. And I would just tell you this, this is personal to me because it's been one of the key things that I've contended for in prayer for 25 years. And when I... When I started talking with Jeff and Dustin, and Gabe and I were just, you know, looking at each other going, man, these guys have something in them that's in us. 
And it's that desire that we will not stop until we see the kingdom of God come in power. Amen. That we're not after this thing for a name or a ministry or some church growth strategy. We just want to see the glory of God come. And even tonight in worship, I was just getting a little wrecked. I mean, the presence of the Lord was here, and she was singing that very verse. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. And I just, I just had that sense we're, we're not there yet, but we're right on the edge of something. Yeah. Something's happening. Yeah. You can sense it, that something's in the atmosphere. And if we will just believe, all things are possible to them that believe. And why not us, and why not now, why not the kingdom of God come and manifest power till salvation springs, springs up from the ground and the glory of the Lord is revealed. I believe this. Atlanta is the gate city of the south, and if Atlanta comes under the power of God, if the kingdom comes in Atlanta, the south will fall to the kingdom, and if the southeast falls to the kingdom, the nation will fall to the kingdom of yeah. God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Worship team, worship team, come on up. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up now. As they're coming up, I, I don't need to add anything to that. I, I, I can tell you this. Um, if I don't see an awakening in my lifetime, Jesus. then I will die dissatisfied. I, I, I do not want to do church. I love the church. I thank God for all that, that he's made us to be and all that we get to do. But, but we are ruined for the status quo around here. Jesus did not come and leave the culture of heaven to come to the culture of a darkened earth to live in anonymity for 30 years to spend three years investing in people the vast majority of whom betrayed him and rejected him for him to die an agonizing death for him to be scorned and mocked even in the act of dying while he was praying for forgiveness to be buried in the tomb rise again the third day show himself alive by many infallible proofs for a little bit over a month and then descend to his throne in heaven he didn't do all of that so we could squeak by on Sundays and get our, our conscience, our guilty conscience, salved by trafficking in religion. Listen, God wants revival. Yes. That's what motivates us. The Lord wants it. We're not begging him for revival. This is what I hear him saying in these days, because we've been saying this for years. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I'm going to go ahead and say this. I actually believe it is here. I believe it is here. Now listen to me. I believe he is going to be, to be giving it to us in increments that we are able to steward. And it can be accelerated or it can be delayed. And so this is a season of heart-searching consecration. I believe he's calling us to a deeper holiness, not a legalistic holiness, not a religious holiness, but a holiness that is motivated because we love him. And he said, be holy because yes, I yes. am holy. And I believe as we hunger and thirst like we are doing and like we will do, we will see the will of the Father be Jesus. manifested and facilitated through us. I want it to come everywhere, but I'm not willing to wait on it to start somewhere else. I believe he is offering this to us now.